On today's episode of the Senior Quotes Sports Podcast, we talk post-Super Bowl, we talk about the game, Tom Brady's seventh title, as well as the commercials and halftime show with the weekend, and as always, we got a little bit of Knicks and Nets talking. Let's get into it. What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Senior Quote Sports Podcast, brought to you by Big Picture Sports. I'm your host, Aiden Broderick, joined as always by my co-host, Jack Coleman. And Jack, how you doing this morning? I'm doing fantastic. We never really do a morning episode, and yeah. we're doing one today, and it's kind of nice. Usually, you know, the room we record in, it's all dark outside, and, <laughs> you know, there's cars coming down the street and everything. But no, today is a beautiful day. We see the sun out. It's Senior Quotes in sunlight. That's I right. think it's going to be a good, positive energy. I love it. All right, yeah, I, I like the energy. I, I got up a little later than you did, so maybe I'm catching up on the energy. <laughs> I'm up, <but> baby. <laughs> I never sleep. <laughs> Clearly not. Um, but yeah, obviously, this past weekend was the Super Bowl. Uh, we've had some Pretty NBA super. action as well. Yeah, the, eh, <laughs> it actually, actually we'll was get not. To it. But <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, but we've had some NBA action as well. Um, honestly, other than that, not much going on, but I think the Super Bowl provides a lot of content on its own, so why don't we get right into that? We're going to work with the quotes formats today for the first time in a while. So, Jack, do you want to explain that for those who don't know? Yeah, so if you guys are tuning in for the first time, we are a Senior Quotes Sports Podcast. Basically what we do is Aiden and I come into an episode with three quotes each. The other guy has to guess who said it and what it's about. You get a half point right for each. Um, loosely scores scored, but uh, by the end we kind of have a winner, and that'll be the uh, victor of the episode. So I'll get started with our first quote here all right and this relates to the super bowl so tell me who said it and tell me the it was like an at twitter user that i left out interesting okay oh, okay if you have to have the ref on your team is that really winning at this person lol with like a bunch of laughing crying emojis and then that weird like tongue stick out one where it's like blah if you know what i mean yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah okay so i think i know who the Twitter user that's being addressed. Okay. Is, I think. It's tough. It, it, I will, oh, I'll say tough. this also. This will help because it's not really fair. Uh, neither of these people are players. Neither. Okay. But are connected yeah, to the yeah, two teams yeah. that were in the Super Bowl. Shoot. All right. That's a twist. So it sounds like maybe former players, maybe uh, personalities, um, maybe like a... Like a I forget what side Skip and Shannon were on, so it could be that. It could be Max and uh, Stephen A. Uh, I'm 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 already thrown for a loop. It's been a minute since I've had to guess a quote, and I'm not necessarily good at it recently. How about I forget what side Skip was on? I think Shannon was a Kansas City guy, and I don't know. I'm gonna just say, but Skip wouldn't be tweeting about. No, maybe he would. I have no idea. I'll just say <laughs> Skip. To Shannon. I have no idea. It is not. It is actually between family members of the quarterbacks within the Super Bowl. Uh, I would have had Well, this was a bit of a story in its own right, but this was Randy Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes' mom, who said this to Giselle. Giselle. Oh, wow. So, little, uh, I I was taken aback by this. I was kind of surprised at just how direct they would kind of tag family members of the opposing team. But... The Mahomes family in general, I just want to say this because this quote made me think of it, but the Mahomes family in general, whether that's Jackson, whether that's his wife, I forget, I always forget. Yeah, I don't know. Randy, whoever, even Mahomes himself is a little weird sometimes. But 
his family gets so so up in arms it's about tough, about everything with him yeah. and it's almost like they they're still babying him it to me it kind of reminds me of in a weird way the Lonzo Ball, LeVar Ball situation where LeVar was making the headlines more so than Lonzo's actual playing. 100%. And I think that's something with this too, whether that's Jackson Mahomes, whether that's his girlfriend getting all pissed off, or fiance now, or wife? wife? I don't Maybe know. they're married yeah, officially. I think they are. Um, they're having a baby soon, which congrats yeah. to, to baby Mahomes. There you go. Um, actual baby. Patrick the third. Baby, baby goat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just, it's it's a weird situation when your family starts getting involved like this, and, and we kind of saw it with the our own Giants, too, this year, mm. with, I believe that was Golden Tate's... Well, that was a little different, right? Golden, Sizz- yeah, Golden yeah. Tate's... Oh, oh we know. No. Not who no, I'm thinking no, no, of. No, I'm no, actually no, thinking no. of... No. Yeah. Um, was it Sterling Shepard? Ah. Uh, One of the, someone on the team wasn't getting it looks. Could it could have, be Golden Tate. It might have been Golden Tate twice. I think it, it was, was, it was. I it think was, it was Golden was. Tate twice. And she put it on her story. She like put it on her story. Threat, yeah. I may have even used that as a quote on here. I think you may have. Yeah. But, yeah, very similar thing. Weird, weird vibe coming from the Mahomes side. Uh, well, I, but the yeah. thing that she does mention here that we have to bring up, and this can kind of open up our Super Bowl talk, right. is the refs. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It was honestly ridiculous how every single play, even when things went right for the Bucks, whether that was a score, whether that was a field goal or an extra point, whatever, it felt and seemed like there was a flag on every call. Yeah. No, so first of all, I like the Lonzo comparison because I feel like, I don't think Mahomes, like Mahomes is a weird guy in that his voice sounds like he Kermit likes a lot of ketchup. and that he likes a lot of ketchup. But otherwise, I feel like he's <laughs> just a pretty like quiet um, you know, just lets his play do the talking kind of guy, and Lonzo's the same way. So I think that's a good comparison. I didn't know Randy Mahomes was like a Karen until this past yeah. you know, Sunday. I didn't see this tweet directly at Giselle, so that's what threw me off. I thought it would maybe be personalities, but she was tweeting, uh, his wife was tweeting, and it's just a bad look. Like, you know, if he's trying to be quiet and let his play do the talking, then you guys don't have to therefore talk for him. You know, like, mm-hmm. you should understand that. I think it goes the same way for Lonzo, and they've kind of figured it out now. Um, but back to the game, yeah, it was tough to watch. Um, I was rooting for a good game. I really was okay if Brady won his seventh. I was maybe pulling more for Mahomes to go back-to-back. It's been a minute since we've seen back-to-back Super Bowl champions. Um, I don't think the Patriots have actually ever done it, which is crazy to think about. That just means their dynasty has lasted even longer to win six Super Bowls but never back-to-back. Um, regardless, you're totally right. The refs made this game tough to watch. And to be fair... The Bucks held the Chiefs to single digits. That was done by the Buccaneers. So the but, defense was fantastic. Honestly, going yeah. into the Super Bowl as well, I kind of underestimated Shaq Barrett, and that was a name He's that tremendous. we yeah, talked yeah, about yeah. on the show before in our in our preview show. Uh, but he surpassed my expectations in that Super Bowl. He looked phenomenal. The entire defensive unit looked phenomenal. Being able to stop Mahomes, um, I, I think that it's a certain... I wouldn't say science. I think it's an art form to stopping Mahomes. And, and there's certain defensive schemes and everything that I don't have the exact numbers on me right now, but I know in the past uh, that certain defensive schemes he, he throws way worse against. So if you kind of expose that and if it's working and you're able to get some momentum and you have a guy, or two guys rather, like Tom Brady and Gronk on the same team, absolute legends of the game, Yeah. 
it's kind of a no-brainer that this is what happened in the Super Bowl. I, I don't think that the Chiefs are just this impenetrable force. I think they are at full strength. I think what they were missing was Eric Fisher. What they were missing was Duvernay Tardif, their guard, who decided to work the front lines of COVID since he's also a PhD. Or an M- MD. MD. Yeah, yeah, but regardless. He uh, wanted, was that the guy who wanted the doctor no. on his Yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. uh, MD, yeah, yeah. Sorry, just, just MD. bad yeah. terminology there. Regardless, he's a starting Most guard definitely. as well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, he's a starting guard in the NFL for a Super Bowl champion last year. So losing that already was an issue at the start of the season. And then you lose your franchise left tackle, former number one overall pick, uh, to injury just a couple weeks ago. That's going to hurt, especially against a team that dominates the pass rush. And this almost makes me think, like, Brady was looking, you know, when he was bringing in people to fill in for his team, uh, his new team that he'd come to in Tampa Bay. And he's looking at Super Bowls of old when he was young. How were they able to beat him when he was baby goat? It was with a great pass rush, like the Giants had. Really the yeah. only team that had beaten them up until the Philly Special years later. So what does he do? He brings in pass rushers. He Smart. makes sure that Tampa Bay is rushing the hell out of Mahomes just like he was rushed out like 15 years ago now. Yes. So that's what happened. I believe Mahomes was pressured near 30 times over the entire game. Brady was pressured like 6 or 7, Damn. which is crazy because the Chiefs do have decent pass rushers as well. Obviously not of the same caliber, but maybe I think Frank Clark is still there off the one end. It, 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 Chris Jones, more of a run block, uh, run defender instead, but he can still get to the quarterback if he pushes through the middle of the line. Regardless, they didn't do that, and that was one side of it. Is Brady didn't feel pressured. He was able to make all the throws he needed to. Sure, a lot of them were short passes, but sometimes that's all you need, and they had big plays from all the different weapons on that team. Gronk, I think we were saying this recently, Gronk just can turn it up a level, as if he played in the regular season at like 60 or 70%, and then he gets to the playoffs, and just boom, he saved up all his energy, because he's past 30 years old, he just came out of retirement, it didn't look like it in the Super Bowl, he had two touchdowns, he could have won the MVP if he scored a third, honestly, it was a great job from him, of course Brady still wins it, that's where it gets a little bit iffy, I think the defense needed more recognition, but, I mean, you still put up 31 points in the Super Bowl, so that is impressive regardless. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that of almost like an X factor that we kind of take too lightly when Brady is in the Super Bowl is just how many times he's been there. Just how many yeah. times him yeah, yeah. and Gronk have been there. Yeah. They were playing right out off the bat a step above everyone else just because to them it felt like a normal football game. Yeah, exactly. It felt like any other Sunday. It doesn't matter. After the game, I forget which player on the Bucks, but they showed Brady just packing up his locker. Everyone yeah. else celebrating with yeah. the goggles on and everything. I'm sure champagne was flowing and Brady's just packing up, but getting mean, ready for next season. Was he not happy? Like, obviously he was happy, but like for me, even if you've been there 10 times, you should celebrate it like it's your first. You know, like, it's it's a once-in-a-lifetime moment. I guess it's a seventh-in-a-lifetime moment for Tom, but, dude, you just won the Super Bowl. Well, you know when I mean? it's a seventh-in-a-lifetime moment, I think there comes a point, and, where it's, where it's and this has day. happened for Brady, where you are at least considered by some, and if not most, to be a GOAT. Right. And at that point... You treat like this. You No, you... Well, sort of. You want to be well above and beyond better than the other considered goats around you. Okay. So at that point, it just becomes numbers. It just becomes, okay, an additional so you, Super okay. Bowl, an additional MVP, whatever you can get. It's important. It, it's it's important to you in the sense that the number and the title that are now associated with your name uh, increases the argument for you being the best of all time. And so, for that reason, I just think that Brady just comes out every year just wanting that extra notch, okay. not really caring about the accolades and the celebrations afterward, 
He doesn't care about it anymore. When you've lived through it six times already, yeah, I guess so. it, it's it's old. It doesn't it doesn't really have that same sheen. But what is new is the fact that more and more people, more and more younger people, because now Brady has standed the test that stood the test of time. Yeah. Um, and now you have this younger generation exposed to such a goat, and yet again this year alone, he has a new Super Bowl. Yeah, no, so, I mean I agree with that. I just think, like, you've even heard multi-time Super Bowl champs say. You know, it's just euphoria. Whenever you win the Super Bowl, it's a feeling you can't explain. And this is what they say with World Series or with the NBA Finals. I'm sure LeBron feels this way, and he's won four times. So it's like, I, I feel like that would be the same thing, even if you've won seven times. But do you, like, if you think that he cares more now about his legacy than about each season, the team, you know, winning with them or winning this specific game for that feeling, then that makes sense. But I just feel like, at the same time, and obviously this is just, you're saying, a picture of him packing up his bags or somebody said it. I, I bet he still did celebrate. That's the thing. We, yeah. like, there's no doubt about it. But if he had just been like, all right, guys, like that's the season packed up and left while the champagne was flying, that would be a different story. And it I, doesn't sound like that's what happened. And honestly, Brady, being a guy who like doesn't really drink, doesn't really that's do good all point. that stuff. Yeah, TV12. I, I actually think his real celebration is that moment when he's on stage right after and yeah. everyone is hanging on to every word. Everyone is wondering if he's going to retire. I you like think that. it every single time. To him, him being able to play with the masses across the nation uh, with everyone watching the Super Bowl, that's what I think gets him off. I, I think that's mm. his his big thing in every Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, the one other thing I wanted to bring up, because you mentioned it, was how LeBron feels uh, oh. when he wins. Yeah. To me, I think that the playoff and final structure of the NBA makes it so that you appreciate the final and, and a title more. Because you could technically go through every series going to seven games. Yeah, no, 100%. And, yeah. and it, there's so much more that, that goes into those playoff series. But guys on the team can get injured. Yeah. I mean, that. not to say that doesn't happen in, in football or, yeah, or right. in the Super Bowl. It does. But in this case, guys can get injured. Guys can come back. Guys can be within the realm of, of being out in the first round and all of a sudden playing on a championship team yeah. in the finals. So there's all these other storylines that go along with it that build up the character of an NBA team, which I don't see as much with the Super Bowl. There's definitely okay. tough wins along the way for, for football, but nothing like a series uh, – that you would see in baseball or basketball. I like that. I, I, I agree with that take, I guess. I mean, football is tiring, but at the same time, you're not running around for 60 minutes straight, which is what the uh, NBA is. You can obviously make different comparisons between, oh, the NFL isn't as demanding, or, oh, the NFL is where you're literally tackling each other into oblivion. So a lot of debate there, but I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to go to my first Super Bowl quote, um, which, to be honest, I just picked up a second ago, and I really like it, and I actually had seen this tweet already, but... Tell me who said it, and fill in the blank for me. It's kind of the same thing. You'll see what I okay, mean, though. Yeah. So, the quote is, wait, my new name, Lombardi blank. Oh, got it. This is Lombardi Lenny, uh, because Playoff Lenny is his nickname. It's Leonard Fournette. There you go. And I'm actually very glad that this was your quote, because that was something that I did want to bring up. We haven't talked about before. it before. I mean... Playoff Lenny, uh, Super Bowl Lenny, Lombardi, Lombardi Lenny. Lenny. Yeah was a force out there. I think if you give him another touchdown and maybe another couple yards, maybe an extra, like, 100 yards, well, he's MVP. Okay, so the reason I actually agree with you here is early on in the game, I don't know if the Bucks, the Bucks did score. I think maybe it's 7-0. And the Bucks are on the goal line. It's first down. And they try a little play action, or maybe they try a handoff. It doesn't go anywhere. 
Second down, they're going to give it to Ronald Jones. And Leonard Fournette wasn't in for like this entire drive. It was Ronald Jones, the young guy who had been great as well. And he but, played well, too. Yeah, oh, like, yeah, yeah. Like, well, I wasn't expecting him to be able to actually play that well. In over the Bowl. entire game, he played well. But the reason I bring this up is this uh, particular sequence, excuse me, was horrendous. Yes. Second this down. One was, this one was Second bad. down, goal line dive stopped. Third down, goal line dive stopped. They go for it on fourth down. They don't switch running backs. Ronald Jones has tried to run it in three times now. Fourth down, goal line dive. He's getting very quick running starts out of the gate. He should be getting through at least one of these times. They have a great O-line who played great across the course of the game. We already mentioned that. Stopped on fourth down, turnover on downs, which you can really never do against the Chiefs. Obviously, it didn't end up mattering. But what this ended up doing is... Bruce Arians realized, hey, we need to use Leonard Fournette more. We can't be giving the ball to Ronald Jones on the goal line. Yeah. And boom, they do just that. Leonard has, I believe, like a 20-yard touchdown where he just erupted out of the pot or out of the, I don't know, out of the backfield. Backfield, yeah. yeah. And regardless, I mean, he was great. As you said, I think a second touchdown and more yards, like you said, would make him an MVP or at least a candidate. Because obviously, it seems like every single Super Bowl MVP goes to a quarterback unless there's a defensive touchdown or a very low-scoring game. But I think, to be fair, I do think Brady deserved it, to a, to a point. But Fournette definitely could have been out there with the second touchdown. He was just different for this team. Reminded me of, like, LeGarrette Blunt a couple years ago for those Patriots teams that won. Just a bulldozing running back. And I'd say he's give even it better. To. I, oh, I would argue certainly better. But at the same kind of price, because remember, he just got cut by the Jaguars earlier in the year because they couldn't find a trade suitor for him, which is insane. And I mean, that's just how you build the Super Bowl champions. You find opportunities like that, and you're good enough to attract talent like that who says, sure, I'll take a pay cut on a one-year deal to go win a ring. And what does he do? He wins a ring. And they didn't have to overpay a running back. Exactly. And they are Super Bowl champions. We've talked about this before. You do not need a top-tier elite uh, expensive running back uh, yeah, exactly. to win a title. They can help. They can help. But you can't be overpaying them. They can help, them. but you cannot be overpaying them. And this is something that I'm sure we will get to in the future as Saquon and, and all that oh, yeah. affects the Giants. Uh, but yeah, 100% agree with you there on that one. Um, I think that it was kind of weird that uh, Bruce Arians didn't throw in some kind of play on that drive that we were just talking about with Ronald Jones. Um where they threw to him because he was known as not being able to catch, really. That's a good point. That was like a big thing. Yeah. So, you know what? Screw it. You tried it four times, basically. Why not in one of those times just have him cut back in uh-huh. on a little route and throw to him for a touchdown? I don't think anyone would have saw that coming in the yep. middle of all that. Yep. I, I think it's bad play calling on that drive there. Thankfully, Bruce I Arians is smart enough to recognize when... Uh, his team is not playing up to up to par. So putting in Leonard Fournette, playoff Lenny, Lombardi Lenny was huge. I'm I'm uh, yeah. a big fan of Leonard Fournette so going I. forward. I, I, I like that he won and kind of redeemed this year for himself. All right, here's a trivia question. Um, this was sent in our uh, Twitter group chat recently, okay. but it's a specific number I'm looking for here, or at least the player. Um, can you tell me, since 2009, on the Super Bowl champion team, who their leading rusher was? Or Sorry. Who was the most expensive of the leading rushers on the past 10 Super Bowl champs, if that makes sense? Uh, Marshawn Lynch? Marshawn Lynch, no. <laughs> but that's the right team, 2013 Seahawks. Marshawn Lynch didn't even lead this team. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Who was this other person? It's a bit of a trick question. Yeah. You picked Oh, oh wait, 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 wait. Russ. No. Was it Russell Wilson? You can guess, but okay. no. 
It was Percy Harvin. Percy Harvin? And here's so why that's so it's, interesting. Or, no, no a, wide, receiver. a wide receiver. And okay. he was playing for $2.5 million, right? So since 2009, that was 2013, no running back has made more than $2 million and led his team in rushing. Nuts. What does that say? I think to me that says you don't need to overpay a running back to get clutch performances out of them. And also, these teams are spending money in the right positions, which allowed these running backs to play like this. Or in Percy Harvin's case, he probably broke a big run. He was he was kind of like a Tyree Kill of old. He was a gadget player. He could run these end around, these reverses, and he would go for 20, 30 yards. I'm assuming that's all he really did, because Russ was probably passing the hell out of the ball against the Broncos. But yeah, guys like LeGarrette Blunt, who ne- he was here three separate times. He was the leading rusher. Patriots, Eagles, Patriots, right? He never made more than 900K. He didn't even crack a million dollars. This is crazy. Like, this stat here just proves the point that in the modern NFL, you cannot overpay a running back and expect to win the Super Bowl. I just think that's as clear as day. I agree. And I think that it used to be the case where you could pay a running back. Where back in the day when it was all ground and pound uh, of the old teams of. You know, the Iron Curtain and everything like that. The Steel Curtain, whatever it is. The, it's the Steel Curtain, right? The Steelers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, back when you had these impressive lines where everyone, everything was just ground and pound. Right. Like you sometimes see with the, uh, more of the uh, the navies and, and your army teams of yeah, today. exactly. You know, that's not the case for the NFL anymore. And I think it's due to the fact that the quarterback position has changed. Where the quarterback is now a dual threat. If, the, if your quarterback can run, whether that's a Russell Wilson, whether that's a Lamar Jackson, even Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl was running way more than he ever has. If you have that quarterback, there is no real need for a top-tier running back. Yeah. If you can get, just like the Ravens have with Mark Ingram, you can get a, a decent enough running back that isn't going to be crazy expensive yeah. that you can pair to be a threat along with your running quarterback. So I like that. I, that's why I don't think that we need... these top-tier running backs anymore. Uh, Is that a trend that could change in the future? Could it be a redefined position for teams? Are they going to kind of switch it up? Maybe something more along in the vein of like a a Taysom Hill-type vibe for players. Maybe more teams will be looking for that, almost like a backup quarterback running uh, weird combination. But I, I really do believe that that's why this change has happened over time. Well, speaking of Taysom Hill... Now, this is a good little transition. I don't have a quote for this, and I don't know what your next quote is, so we can talk about this for just a quick minute or two and then get to your quote. Taysom Hill, in part, has put the Saints over the salary cap because the Saints decided to sign not one, not two, but three quarterbacks to their team. They gave Drew Brees a big contract a couple years ago. I believe he recently restructured it to try to help this situation. But they also paid Jameis Winston. Again, a cheap one-year prove-it deal, but still not inexpensive. And then I believe they gave Taysom Hill, it was like a $40 million over four years contract. I mean, he is a valuable asset, but I think Sean Payton, who I love Sean Payton. I love how he's creative oh, with Sean offenses. Awesome. It's like how I would want to coach a team. But he forces Taysom Hill into his team. I don't get it. And sometimes really it's not it. that helpful. So, obviously, if you're Sean Payton's GM, or maybe this was a decision he made himself, you're going to want to keep Taysom Hill because he's shown that he can change games with him. But then when teams have tape on this guy, and it's like, here's what you need to look out for. When you see a single digit lining up in wide receiver, you know Taysom Hill's on the field trying to do something tricky. I, I, like that's It's as simple as that. So if, if people I'm... have figured it out, and now I think that's a terrible contract, and generally 
This has created a terrible situation for the Saints, who were so close to the Super Bowl this year. If Michael Thomas had played an entire season, maybe they make it. And now you're going to probably have to pay Kamara soon. You're going to have to pay Michael Thomas soon if he hasn't been paid already. They don't have the money to do that. So expect the Saints. This is the only reason I brought it up, and you can counter that, bring up that other point you had. But I think the Saints are going to start to sink pretty soon. I agree. And what I think Sean Payton should do, basically that's what I was going to say. If I'm Sean Payton... I'm not even going to consider using Taysom Hill okay. as my quarterback okay. at all. I want him still, though. It's me. And but then again, that's why it's a bad contract, because now you're paying $10 million for a guy you thought would be a quarterback, and, I agree. and now he's not. And I agree. And that's, for it. That, yeah. all the workings around that are terrible. Right. But if he's the Saints, the roster, if the Saints so. are to deal with yeah. what they have, you start Jameis Winston right off the bat. He's your starting quarterback. Okay, You have Taysom Hill. Don't even look at him when you're going down the field. Maybe on third down scenarios, maybe you can have him open for a pass or, or something. But what I would do is try and get down the, down the field. You have guys like Michael Thomas, you know, get down the field, try and score. When you are on the goal line, that is when you use Taysom Hill. That's when you throw him in for touchdowns. I don't think Taysom Hill complains if he gets a touchdown every single game from plays like that. Obviously, teams are going to be looking out for him. That opens up guys like Michael Thomas. Like, I think that's what you have to do going forward. And I don't think anyone is mad at Taysom Hill, including Taysom Hill in regards to the Saints. Okay. I don't think he's even mad at them. If he's scoring at least once every couple games, you know what I mean? No, yeah. I, I think that he can still put up good numbers if he's just used as this kind of, like, tangible, consistent trick play player. Right, no, if you you have the ability to mix it up with one specific player... That is a very valuable thing to have on a team. I just don't think it's a $10 million per year. I agree. I, I completely agree. This I, is just only yeah. in the context of like Taysom Hill having yeah. to be on this team currently. Right. So I think they can figure that out, and I want to confirm that that's the contract. Uh, cheaper, $21 million. No, over two years, though. So I was right about yeah. the per-year value. Uh, and that's good for them that it's not four years. For some reason, I thought they locked him up. But the other thing is he's... 30 already like he's only been in the league for a couple years but he went to BYU I believe he's Mormon and he had to do his Mormon mission so it makes sense that he came into the league in the you know back half of his 20s but he's still you know kudos to him he made a role he got paid for it and he's gonna have a chance to prove something soon An another thing that I think could be going on here is basically we're just gonna get a quarterback battle next year it's going to be starting out with Hill, try him out. If they start losing, switch to Jameis. If Jameis can do better than Hill, well, yeah, he yeah. becomes the quarterback. But did Breeze, Breeze didn't retire yet, right? He was going to, and then I think he reversed it. But yeah. also, Jameis is an expiring contract and might be done with the Saints. I'm I'm leaning more towards Breeze retiring. I thought this was the final shot. He said it. He started. He, he immediately He looked line. old in, oh, in yeah. this oh, in yeah. playoffs. Um, so, yeah. Well, he I, broke his – no, did he break his ribs? He broke, like, 12 ribs or something. something. Yeah. yeah. Or was that... Because Big Cat always made... No, Big Cat thought it was a shoulder injury. And then they were like, he broke 12 yeah. different ribs. Yeah. And he's like, he just keeps adding on new ribs it's to ridiculous. break to make fun of uh, the injury. But, Regardless. But, yeah, yes, yeah. I, I think that it's going to be an interesting year for the Saints. <laughs> Maybe we see this quarterback matchup, uh, or, or, excuse me, quarterback battle between the team. Maybe Drew Brees is back, and it doesn't even matter, which, again, looks even more like a terrible contract yeah, yeah. for these guys to just be on the team for no reason. I don't know. It's a weird predicament, and because of all that, I think I'm going to just ultimately agree with you that the Saints are kind of going on a downward trajectory yeah. 
currently. Not to say that with this, uh, a brain like Sean Payton yeah. within the NFL that they can't right the ship sooner rather than later. But I think maybe the next year, year after, could be rough. I agree with that. And that impacts younger uh, players who would retire earlier, like uh, Michael Thomas. So maybe Ooh. Michael Thomas could end up leaving when Drew Brees retires. or Okay, or, I got you. Even if that's not this year, yeah. you know what I'm saying. So, yeah. I um One other quick thing that we kind of gla- glazed over here uh-huh. in regards to the Super Bowl. We didn't talk commercials or halftime shows, so real quick. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Commercials. What did, what did you like? Oh, man, I had a couple. Uh, the Tide commercial, was that the Jason Alexander? Jason Alexander. Fun it's fact, my brother bits. auditioned for that Shout role, out Chris so Coleman. that's cool. Yep. Um, that was a great one. I'm a sucker for Seinfeld. Yep. References, anything, and just seeing Jason Alexander on a t-shirt made me laugh, so that was good. Um, there were the 3D Doritos. It was the Matthew McConaughey, and he like... That was, was kind of weird. It was a weird commercial, but I'm intrigued by the product. I am intrigued, and I do want to try they, like, baked 3D Doritos. goods, though? And, like, how is that going to stay in a bag? Like, I, no, it's like, like a... It's it, like a... It's like a... Imagine, like, a Cheeto. But... Or, or, oh, like, a, yeah, or yeah, more yeah. like a cheese doodle. Yeah, sure, sure. So one of those, but, but more it's like just a triangle. Dorito triangle. Or like a pyramid. Like even. a puff. I think yeah. that they're like a puff, almost. But they looked in the commercial, like, I was thinking of some kind of, like, baked good, and was like, that won't carry in a bag. But that makes way more sense. It, tricky commercial. Not the best commercial, but it had me intrigued. Weird. And, and so you it did know, well enough, I guess. We're so accustomed, and this could be a weird look on Matthew McConaughey's end, <laughs> because, like, yeah. anytime I see Matthew McConaughey in a commercial, I'm like, oh, it's Lincoln. Like, oh, I just assumed, yeah, that's like, that's point. what it is. I was like, okay, this is a weird flat Stanley version of, of a Linky commercial, commercial, but <laughs> whatever. I guess we'll get in a car at some point. Right. Um, but no, it was Doritos. I also want to throw in the, actually, we talked about it, but Cheetos. Right. The Cheetos commercial with Shaggy and Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher. That was wholesome, cute. I mean, it was fun. It wasn't me. It's such a great It song. wasn't me. It's always going to yeah. be a banger. So I really enjoyed that one. Uh, Bruce one. Springsteen, that was cool. Oh, the yeah. Jeep Bruce Springsteen. You got to rep jersey and, and the boss um i was very pleased to see that one i'm trying to think what else i liked a lot um well also which oh the m&m one was kind of weird but oh like, yeah i didn't like it it was a lot that was that was weird like, way to start off uh, i really didn't like it because it was yeah. like you were like trading m&ms for you know like apologies basically which like okay that was like a funny idea you know like bartering a little bit for something that's like not real i guess and then it ends with, like, some guy saying, like, he wasn't... He was, like, apologizing for eating M&M's to the M&M's. And he's like, no, nah, I'm going to eat one more. And there's an M&M trapped in his car banging on the window. Weird commercial. Weird. It got a thumbs down for me. Yeah. But it's got us talking about it, so I guess that's all they really care about. Um, um, there was... Oh, what was... It? There was one commercial. Well, it's a commercial in general. Mm. Uh, but they had a Super Bowl commercial, but I, I am a fan of the, uh, your cousin, or your cousin, from Boston. <laughs> from Boston. There it is. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just kind of like that one because it reminds me of a bunch of our friends here yeah, at school, yeah. but uh, something about it just cracks me up every, every single time. Um, <laughs> Paramount Plus? Paramount so Plus. Wait, I have so, a question. Yeah. Do you like the commercials that carry out throughout the Super Bowl? Because this one didn't really do that it came up four different times yes but, but some it, tell a story across it this one not so this much did it was all the journey to the top of paramount plus mountain well, sure but i think the journey was just to show all the different people yeah that are and, on and i paramount actually plus. like that and i think that Same. i'm honestly i was in because they had jeff probst on agreed shout out survivor ghost, yeah. shout out survivor but it didn't, ghost goat yeah, i mean <laughs> uh shout out survivor <laughs> but no, I, I think that... It just didn't have me on the edge of my seat. It wasn't you know? on the edge of my seat, but compared to the other commercials that carry out, this one I actually knew what the commercial was about. 
throughout the sure, entire sure, thing. The end of every one closed with a screen cap of like Paramount Plus. Yeah. I was like, okay, there's a Paramount Plus commercial. I get it. Right. It's a new streaming service. There's other ones in the past, and I can't even name one right now. Agreed, they don't and I don't even think they had one in the Super Bowl this year. But it's like same thing carries across like four ads, and it just builds to finally telling you what it is finally telling yeah. you what it is honestly i remember in the past i had no idea what those like go daddy commercials were about and there used to be a bunch kind of like that um and by the end when it said go daddy i'm like what what does this yeah. mean like i have no idea um now i know it's a hosting website <laughs> whatever, so good for me they did their job they did their job yeah. um but yeah so halftime show though yeah the weekend really weird ladies and gentlemen the weekend. <laughs> really weird. I wasn't a big fan. I like liked they it. They did what they could do. I liked it a lot, and I think okay. we're going to look back on this and think it's one of the top five Super Bowl wow. performances I of all time. I don't know if I agree with that. Because, like, look, there, like, there wasn't any crowd engagement because there's only crowd in the stands. They couldn't mm-hmm. have them on the field. So instead, he used the field as a stage. I thought that was cool. That was awesome. Otherwise, I thought the dancers looked scary well like, they looked the, like they were from us the movie with like is the that weird... what you're supposed to be i mean sort as of. you guys so, know i have no movie knowledge the, whatsoever the main reason why i like this as yeah. much as i did tell me why you like it try to sell me on it i watched it the, let's see i'll call him abel but the yeah, weekend, yeah, 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 Ab- yeah. young abel young abel um he basically did a multi-month project for this uh, yeah where he pretended to get plastic surgery right he uh, you mix in him getting getting snubbed from the grammys that's true um you know different interviews and music videos he and commercials even he was building this up he created a world for this performance interesting and that is something that is always so impressive to me childish gambino did something similar when he dropped uh awaken my love mm. for his concert experience I think that that's what this was for the weekend. He was also commentating on in Hollywood that you need to have all of this plastic surgery Ooh. and stuff to, to okay. look good, fit the part, win award shows, all this stuff. And he just said, you know what? Screw it. I don't need any of that. I'm going to just be myself amidst all these fake people who were uh, symbolic in, in the dancers. And I'm going to put on an absolute show and prove everyone wrong as to why I shouldn't have gotten stuff. And I thought he did. It was a... It was a Fun, weird time. Okay. We got the gif out of it, the light tunnel thing. Yeah, that's thing. awesome. Yeah. The, while I was watching it, the light that tunnel was thing was, was uh, a little like corny yeah. at first to me. I was like, why are we doing this? But all of a sudden, when all the dancers who were like hiding in there just pop out and start like spinning all around, I thought that was incredible. Like I said, I think this is going to be up there with the likes of Prince, uh, Bruno Mars, Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake. That one had a wardrobe malfunction. Uh, yeah. But... I, I do think that this is going to be a top performance all time, hands down. All right. I mean, look, it's a crazy time. It, now it's 2021, but this is going to encompass what 2020 as a year was. And to your point, he created a world where there was no real world to perform in in the first place. Like, there was a chance there'd be no crowd at the Super Bowl. So that makes me appreciate it a little more, I will say. You know, that there was a story, and more importantly, you know, some kind of engagement, some kind of background to what was going on um so yeah i do appreciate that i thought the t- uh the light tunnel thing was it made me so dizzy dude like i <laughs> was not a fan of that in particular but as a whole i i can see the appeal i just don't think it was an all-time great i think of like tom petty um or prince in the rain singing purple rain crazy i think those are like all-time great performances i, I don't know if these recent ones have been up there um, but good argument, you know, like I, I could buy into that a little bit, but all right. So that was the halftime show. We covered the super, uh, super Bowl commercials as well. 
Uh, for the most part, we covered the game. I mean, we could have talked more about what the Chiefs didn't do on offense. But it, it was kind of straight to the point. It, they got, it was they got shut just down. the Bucks just kind of shut them down. That was, I, that was really it. I can't it. believe it was, they didn't score It was a master class of football from Brady. Yeah. I, that's all it was. Well, from the Buccaneers as a whole. Yeah. And look, like we talked about the refs a little bit. There were way more penalties on the Chiefs than there were on the Bucks, but a lot of them were either holdings or DPIs, um, pass interference, that is. And I, I don't know. I mean, the refs were bad, but my argument to my roommates earlier, you know, during the Super Bowl was if the refs had called a 50-50 straight down the middle game, the result wouldn't have changed. It would have been a closer game, but the result of the Bucks winning wouldn't change. The refs can't change 22 points. Could they swing a touchdown or two? Maybe that halftime, like right before halftime, the Bucks scored their third touchdown. That wouldn't have happened without that pass interference call uh, against the Chiefs. That's fair. That's seven points off the board. Maybe there's a swing where the Chiefs could have scored a touchdown that was somehow called back for holding. I don't think that actually happened, but sure, there's another seven. It's still an eight-point Bucks win, and I think you draw the line there. So I'm actually going to disagree. I think that the refs completely blew this game because we need to factor in how this breaks up momentum, how this breaks up drives, how, how this can completely change the route that the game was going. Yep. I, the earliest sign of it was when the Chiefs pick got called back. Right. Or interception for the they, – they got the interception. Right, 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 right. right. Um, got called back. And I didn't see anything that should have been called back there. I think that would have completely changed the momentum of the game. You would have had the Chiefs rearing to go. The fact that that one got called back was a travesty. The second one is the no call – on the insane throw Mahomes had where he was literally midair just chucking yeah, it, yeah. falling, and it hit the guy. I forget even well, who the receiver was. I think was. it was Byron Pringle in the corner. It was Pringle. It was yeah, Pringle. Yeah. So clearly not a catch. No. He, he caught it out of bounds. But what I will say is that I did believe that there was multiple holding calls as well as a potential miss pass interference on that. I, I really do think that those two moments shifted the entirety of the game. All right, but that one wouldn't have changed. All right, sure, if they call pass interference on that ball... Well, wait, okay, I have, a, I have something to agree with you. But first, on that specific play, the ball was going to be out of bounds because where he got to the ball and caught it, it was out of bounds. Maybe he had been standing up instead of diving for the ball because he would have gotten there a second earlier. He could have tried to drag his toes. But from where the ball landed, Pringle wouldn't have been able to stay in bounds. But what just came to my head, bringing that moment up, was the DPI against the Chiefs when a ball was thrown into the stands. Yeah. The, it's uncatchable balls cannot be called for pass interference. It was terrible. The, this was like a Gronk pass maybe, or maybe Mike Evans to the back of the end zone. Brady skies it. No one could have caught that no matter what. And there was a like really light pass interference call, which, to be fair, if that's being called, there's no doubt that Pringle probably did get a defensive holding that's against him or something. So I agree with you it, now. It, they should have called it the same way. It light. needed to be even. It wasn't even. I'm not saying it was rigged for the for the Bucks or anything, but they didn't call the best game. And because of that, it, it swung the score. I, I stand by my point that it would have been a Bucks win, but it would have been a lot closer and for us a lot more entertaining. And to be honest, we felt... I, I'm not going to speak for you, but I felt like we were robbed of a good viewing experience from the neutrals because this game just wasn't that entertaining when it came down to it. I mean, it's fun to watch Mahomes like struggle in the pocket and just try to come back with his arm because he's able to make those crazy throws like you mentioned, or maybe the one when he rolled out to his left, spun a guy, and still was able to chuck it downfield for like yet another Kelsey drop or something. That was so disappointing to see. But on the whole, I agree with you, Jack, that penalties ruined it 
for us. I don't think it ruined it for the Chiefs. I don't think the Chiefs would have won this game. But it, it just made this game feel a little more destined for Brady and the Buccaneers to take it. So that's our Super Bowl recap. Um, do you have other quotes? I believe yeah, you do. Yeah, we, we can do the rest of mine quickly. How about we do that? Because we're a little pressed sure for thing. time. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you the win just because you got the points on my quote and I didn't get them on yours. <laughs> but I'll take some practice for our next we'll do, full we'll round. We'll do this real quick. Yeah. Uh, the other football quote I had was, you wouldn't have even got this okay. one. Okay. It's why would he not? And it was a <laughs> NFL draft um, college Why football quote. Not? But it's Trevor Lawrence. He's throwing Friday. Uh, people were questioning, like, why is he doing this? Oh, and God. why would he not? He's going to show off the arm. He's going to show off the talent. He's going to prove in one day alone that he's the top quarterback in the okay. draft class. Is that Dabo? Who said it? No, that was unnamed sources oh. from his team okay, okay, that so. I believe... Uh, it wasn't Schefter tweeted it. It was... Probably somewhere. like... Uh, uh, it could be like Field Yates, maybe. I don't think it was Field Yates either. Uh, Ayn Rappaport, maybe. Yes, actually, it was Ra- it was Rappaport. Yeah. Um, is it Ayn or Ian? Because Ian Eagle, but it's probably Ian Rappaport. Ian Rappaport. It's gotta be. Or is it Ian? No, it's, it's gotta it's be definitely Ian. Ian. We'll it's, find it's out Ian after Ian. it. It's okay. gotta be Ian. Yeah. Because Ian Eagle. Happy birthday, Ian Eagle. Wow. On on the broadcast where. yesterday, it was Ian Eagle's birthday, and Grant Hill presented him a cake over Zoom. Fire. So Fire. cool. Um. Yeah. But since we bring up basketball now, that was just my little thing. Trevor Lawrence <laughs> is just going to tear it up this yeah, Friday. Yeah, no, no question. Get ready for that. We'll get our NFL draft talk in. Definitely. In and that's going to build always up. Do. Yeah. Um, this one, NBA, since we brought that up. Sure, I'll try it's, this one. I'll I, try. You've already heard it from me, but it's oh, a God. dog. He's a dog. He's a dog. I can't explain it. You've got to be a player to understand oh. it. We're in a fight. I know he's fighting. Shoot. No, now I forget. I, oh, no. Wait. <laughs> he's a dog. He's a dog. You wouldn't understand it. Was that... It had something to do with LeBron? Or was it like, no, it's, uh, it's I got it, I got it, I got it. Sort of about LeBron, and I'll show you why yeah. after this. But it's D-Rose about IQ, because yep. Derrick Rose is now a Nick. Coleman will Derek give him his Rose take. Derrick Rose, for yeah, the yeah. first time. Why am I trying to hold it back? Why? In three years, maybe? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a New York Nick. <laughs> first Nick, time ever Nick. in the past yeah. three years. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. he is a New York Nick. He's new We're, number, number four. Number four. We're yeah. excited to have him back. <laughs> I think it makes more sense this time around. I think that he's a nice veteran player that can pair well with quickly. I think we the minutes we saw yesterday in the game against the Heat, sadly we lost, but in the minutes that we saw, the, the pair of them were playing together. It kind of feels like that's our starting backcourt going forward. Hopefully if we make a playoff push, that'll that's kind of what we'll see too. Um, I love D-Rose. I've always loved D-Rose. I think that he, he was a tragedy. What happened to him in his career kind of ended. I want to see him go out on... Uh, a bit of a run or a, a, a high note here with the Knicks. Yeah. So I'm rooting for him. The fact that he's mentoring quickly, like I said, I think Quickly's a beast. I saw a Bleacher Report a redraft of the 2020 draft, and they had the Knicks taken quickly again, but just at the pick we took Obi Toppin. So I'm very excited for this team. I think adding D. Rose is huge. I'm excited to see what quickly, how quickly develops and grows from being mentored under him. Uh, I think we're in some, for some exciting stuff with with the Knicks. It, it's finally starting yeah. to turn that page. Um, we're getting there. No, I mean, we're definitely guys, getting there, people. We're getting there. You guys played a tight game with the Heat last night. We watched the end of that. And um, the only I, look, I don't want to be the negative Nets fan about the Knicks because I do truly believe that D Rose is going to come off the bench and add another spark. And as you've said to me before, is going to be a great mentor for guys like IQ. Um, but my one takeaway when this trade immediately happened is that this just provides a bigger logjam to guards such as IQ or even R.J. Barrett, 
who's playing like 40 minutes a game. It's crazy, but we'll get to that. Well, um, I think RJ Barrett can play the three. Sure, I maybe fully believe he can, and I, I, think that, I think we've seen that at times too this year. When you've seen Peyton and Bullock in okay. with RJ, he's been the three. So you'd consider, I thought Bullock was like the undersized three. I mean, regardless, one of them is, both, the, they're but, both wings. But I think really. RJ plays more as a three, okay. and you would see him as a three uh, in a lineup with D. Rose and Quickly. Right, well, my and actually, point though. Well, I just want to say about the logjam of guards <laughs> is that. Because I'll get to, yeah, yeah. Frank Neokin is not seeing playing time. He's no, clearly no. going to eventually go at some point. I, I, I don't see him staying around. Peyton is so hot and cold, I can see him going too at some He's point. He's still getting starting minutes right He's now. still getting starting minutes. And what I think, and I just kind of, this all came to me now in a moment of clarity. Okay. What I think that Thibodeau might be doing is playing yeah. Peyton and starting him with yeah. guys like Randall, Mitch Robb, getting our points from the front court, right. and then on the bench kind of flip-flopping oh. it having the, those guards between Quickly and D. Rose right. be the main scoring threats okay. with guys like Nerlens Noel, right. um, Obi Toss Toppin, Gibson, uh, yeah. you know, that second yeah, unit. Yeah, yeah. Which makes sense because then you have consistent scoring throughout the entirety of the game. I like that. I want to see how it plays out. I'm not sold on this theory yet. This is just my take of a potential take on what Tom Thibodeau is thinking. Yeah. So we shall see. But I kind of like... If okay. that's what he's doing. I don't hate that. If, if we're not getting rid of anyone. If that's what we're keeping it as, I kind of like that. Well, Space so, out the scoring throughout the course of the game. So my main point that I wanted to get to to add into the group you just mentioned is Austin Rivers didn't even play last night. And he was getting rotational minutes that I think D. Rose kind of just picked up last night because Rivers was out. When Rivers is healthy, there's just no feasible way to play five Almost six guards. Obviously, Neil Keen is out of the picture. Neil Keen is out of the picture. Peyton's out of the Rivers, picture. Rivers, not yet, though. I think he will be. Though. I don't think Tibbs, uh, you can correct me because I haven't watched every Knicks game, but I thought I saw a stat that Tibbs is yet to change his starting lineup like once unless there's injuries. So Peyton has started every game that he can start, and Tibbs seems like the kind of coach that sticks to his starting lineup. But if, uh, if, you, a move is if made, you acquired players like Austin Rivers and D. Rose, don't you want value out of a guy like Alfred Payton? He doesn't provide value. But if you can go into meetings with teams and say he's a starting point guard, I know. he has had these performances, these double-digit plus 20 whatever yeah. performances, how is that not more impressive to a team where maybe you can, oh, you can, start can get anyway. a draft pick out of it, an additional draft pick out of I it, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I just think that it's it's trying to increase his value is what they're doing. Right, but for he, the time he does being, not fit within the picture of yeah. everything else we've done, and that's what I think it it clearly is. No, if sure, not, sure, shame sure. on shame on the Knicks for for log jamming it up. But that's what I think they're trying to do. Until a move is made, though, he has always been your starter. So unless, well, look, you guys weren't supposed to make the playoffs this year, and you're on the cusp of it. So kudos to you. I just don't know if um, Leon Rose is thinking push for the playoffs or rebuild slash just just build not rebuild there's no changing you guys have your core set but keep building so are you rushing the process by adding d rose i don't necessarily think so i think that was a good pickup could be for this year could be for next year or the long-term move of him as a mentor i, I think like it's more that. of a mentor thing. sure but then it becomes is alfred payton starting every game for you because you truly think he's the starter of this team and that comes down to what tibbs thinks more than anybody else because I don't think Leon Rose is saying, hey, let's start Alfred Payton every single game and limit the development of a guy like IQ 
just to try to trade him for a first-round pick. I just don't think... Because, look, he's starting every game that looks valuable to other teams, sure. But from what I've heard from all my Knicks fan friends is that they don't see the value in him, and therefore... Why would a GM of an opposing team think there is value to him? Well, because I just don't if know. you look at the stats over the course of the year and the fact that he's starting, you can see all these performances. But it, then why is that like, not your start? Like, why are you well, not committing to that? Well, the reason why I don't think is it the stats or is it the eye test? You well, know what I mean, no, no, no. The reason why I think we aren't committing to it is because both new addition point guards that we picked up. I think uh, Peyton should be that third on the list. It should be D Rosen and D Rosen Austin Rivers, and then. Peyton. Right, but Rose is kind of a six-man now. Yeah, that's his best role. And I like so that. So are you starting Rivers? I would like to eventually start Rivers, okay. but D-Rose and Rivers have not played the entirety of the full season that Alfred Payton has. Right, Austin right, right, Rivers right, right, didn't right. come in until later. Yeah. D-Rose just got picked up now. Alfred Payton has been our guy since day one because he was our only well, guy I, really I since day Rivers one. Rivers was an off-season guy. Or maybe he was hurt. He was, but he was hurt to start the year. He didn't come in until, I think, a couple weeks in. Yeah. So the combination of that, I think, really, we need to look at this over the course of the entire season. If Alfred Payton is still playing post um, All Star weekend, then maybe we got to, you know, (laughs) reconsider things and and the executives within the the organization. But. In the meantime, I just don't think that the other two have played the same amount that Peyton has because right. they just haven't been here or they've been injured. Right. So in the long run, I think that it will switch up and kind of even yeah. out. For now, I get why Peyton was yeah. starting, so we're just going to have to see. Yeah, I guess all I'm saying, and this can cap off the Knicks talk, is just that Tibbs doesn't seem like the kind of experimental coach when it comes to his starting five. He changes his rotations a lot, as we've seen. D-Rose slid, you know, slid right into the team for last night's game, and he looked great. But it seems like he knows who he wants off his bench and who he wants to start. And for the time being, he likes Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock in the lineup. So that's what it is. My um, only problem, like really, I don't mind Payton. I just don't like the fact that he's hot and cold. That pisses yeah, me off yeah, a little yeah. bit. Reggie Bullock, I think, is garbage from three. <laughs> he puts in good minutes, but he's just garbage from three. And that's what we need yeah, out of his yeah, position. Yeah. So like, that's the only reason why I have any ill will towards him. Right. Otherwise, you know, I, I think we're, we're chilling. I, I think the yeah. D-Rose pick, like you said, though, was a lot more to do about mentorship, kind of to wrap up. Because it was a good trade. We've yeah. seen across the, the Knicks organization this year, um, guys they brought in and, and kind of set up to mentor. We, I've read so many things about Julius Randle wanting to mentor Obi Toppin. It's awesome. And the yeah. two of them understanding the dynamics of their relationship. Obi being the rookie, coming off the bench. Julius Randle putting up an all-star year. He clearly has the role locked down. Yeah. Nerlens Noel coming in, being brought in to help with Mitch Robb. I think that's big. I think the overarching Kentucky vibe of the team was to help out Kevin Knox. And now you clearly saw quickly uh, his, his his stock rising. He's one of the best rookies in the class so far this year. And you think, okay, let's get a guy who's been part of the organization, who plays slightly similar now, not old D-Rose, but right, current right, D-Rose right. plays similar to quickly. Let's bring him on. Help him mentor him. I, I like the culture almost that they're fostering for once. And I never thought I'd say that of, of the Knicks. No, fair enough. Yeah. Um, my final question, we'll keep this quick. And then I just have one more segment to get to for today. Um, Randall closing the game last night. He rushed uh, what looked like a wide open mid-range shot and missed it. As a whole, it wasn't the most impressive Julius Randall game that I've seen. And I actually have watched more Knicks games than I think you think. Because <laughs> I've watched a lot with my brother over break. Um, 
What did you think of him last night? And was it just that they were demanding too much from him? or the, I mean, the Heat have a great defense, especially in their front court. So, I don't know. What were your takeaways from him last night? I think the Heat defense was tough. Uh, and, and it was clearly a bit of a problem. Randall still got his own, you know. He still oh, totally. he still yeah. was able to put up numbers, but it's tough. The Heat are a tough team. I think that the pace that the Heat go at is very tough for this Knicks team. Yeah. It's all running gun. It's all shooting off the fast break at the, with, uh, from three with guys like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, even yeah. Jimmy Butler. I, I think that that pace is just not efficient for a Knicks team who's so gassed from yeah. Tom Thibodeau. And from a long recent travel stretch, no, yeah. so yeah, I, I'm not too worried. I think what it comes down to is just it was a tough matchup for us. Totally. That, that's literally all it was for me. We played close both games. Um, they also have an established star in Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Hasn't been as good this season as he was in the finals so far. Right. Still an established star. Still more established than Julius Randle. Right. So you know, I, I'm not upset really at the loss i think it's just a very tough matchup and a tough loss to take but you know you can't help it we move on to the next one and we're still in a good position in the east i, I think we keep it rolling yeah you still held them under 100 points yeah. despite their pace randall did shoot only four of 18 from the field one of seven from three i think tough. that's the problem Tough. bit of an off night he does shoot well from no, three, i've seen him shoot i think well he's three. shooting nearly like 40 percent I think you're right. Before this game, anyway, it was 40%. Think, yeah, and from two-point range... Still 38%. For, for two points... Um, above 50, I think. It's it's like 50, slightly yeah. above 50. Yeah. So, whatever. It's, it's one just, game. It, it happens. Yeah, I, seeing all the other nice. games yeah, he's yeah. played in the past, I don't think that this one kind of defines how Randall's going to play yep. following. So, I'm not worried. Hey, leading scorer last night, Alfred Payton. Okay. Yeah, that's so. what I'm saying. <laughs> Draft stock up. So, I have one last quote, and then we'll wrap up this segment. I just picked it up now. Uh, tell me who said it and who it's about. Um, oh, no, I have a better one. Hold on. Hold on. You can cut this out. <laughs> Wait a second. I'm not going to. Shoot. The people no. are hearing you. The people are hearing you fumble. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, I mean, to see it. look, I'm trying to call a little audible and keep this interesting. All right, here it is. Because I know you're going to have a good take about this one. We're the team that gets someone taken out during COVID during the games. We're the team that has to deal with the refs. We're the team that is battling against so many odds. Who said that? Who's it? What's it about? I think it's Kyrie Irving about the Nets. Yeah. Okay. You're I didn't know if it was Kyrie. I didn't know if it was Kyrie or not, but I saw that too. Honestly, so for those of you who are loyal fans, um, you may know that I'm currently on the Barstool Hunt. So literally, I'm on Twitter all day. So I think <laughs> my senior quotes game has gotten bumped up a little bit in falling. the process. Yeah. Um, but yes, Kyrie Irving. Um, complaining about uh, everything in between so why don't you go into it <sighs> okay well so we lost to the pistons by double digits last tough, night tough. hey it was we lost to the pistons by the less D points Roseless pistons. right 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 but we didn't have kd and the lakers lost by more when they didn't have ad so does that mean anything i don't know but the pistons look their six wins have come against teams with not just winning records but like at the top three seeds on both both conferences it's crazy they are tanking the right way. They lose all these games that are meaningless. And then it's like, hey, we show up against the best competition. So kudos to them. They played really well. Why did they beat us last night? Because DeAndre Jordan is the only center we have. We yeah, picked up Norvell Pell. We've been saying and He I, doesn't do anything. He tries. But this dude, Norvell Pell, doesn't know what to do. You know, he has the effort. That's great. But there's two parts to it. DeAndre Jordan has a good IQ. No effort. 
Norvell Pell has no IQ, great effort. You can't combine the two. Tough. They both are terrible when they're on the court. And what are you supposed to do against a team with like four different seven-footers? Uh, Mason Plumlee almost had a triple-double. And there is a thing where Nets players, just like former Nets players, Mason Plumlee drafted by the Nets, he played a couple years for us, they always go off against us now because we have a target on our back and it's like, hey, we were there during the rebuilding years, during the tough years. We're going to show up and show you like we could be there now, but we're not. And that's what Mason Plumlee did. That's what so many other players have done. But it's really not about them. What Kyrie's saying, and we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet, KD was said that he couldn't play because of contact tracing again against the Raptors. And I'm sitting down watching that game with you guys, and look who's coming in six minutes into the game. It's KD. And we're like, why is that happening? Like, he should have started. It was the first game ever in his life, in the NBA, that he came off the bench. Probably in his life. That he came (laughs) off the bench. So, that's already weird. The Nets hadn't game plan for that. They were down like 10 because they thought they had KD, and at the last second they were told they couldn't have him. He plays two quarters, and then the NBA says, hey... He shouldn't be playing in the first place. Take him out. The damage is done if you think he has COVID, which he has ha- had already in his life. And you just take him out like nothing happened. Like, oh, if he comes out in the third quarter, they think he didn't play earlier. So yeah. that well, happens. We obviously lose that game. We're on a three-game losing streak now because KD is in COVID protocol again when the dude had it before. And it was like I mean, you can still spread tracing. it if, if you've had it. Yes, you can. That is true. But clearly the NBA... It doesn't have a consistent protocol for COVID. It's the same thing with the refs. I want this called down the middle for every team, and we're the only ones, in my opinion, that have been this hit by this COVID protocol. KD, we're like 8-2, and I think, when KD plays, and the problem isn't that he's not playing. It's, it's It's like how he's taken out of games. I thought he would just have to rest a little bit, take a couple games off, because he's coming from an Achilles tear. But no, it's four games off in a row due to COVID, and then again another four games off due to COVID when we need him the most. It's so tough to watch, and I wasn't that upset about last night's loss. It's more so the circumstances of where we're at right now. This team has no depth whatsoever. It's been built the wrong way. I think I'm ready to say not about the hardened trade in particular, just about who we've picked up recently. I love Amon Shumpert, but the dude is already injured. Like He didn't even have a chance to play yet, and he's hurt for two weeks. Uh, we haven't picked up that true defensive anchor, and I don't know if we're ever going to find one. I think Dinwiddie can be traded. He's hurt, but he's allowed to be traded still, and that's the only way we can afford a true anchor. But who's going to give it to us for maybe another pick? I know Dinwiddie's a valuable asset when he comes back, and he should make a full recovery, but I'm, for the first time this season, I'll truly say like I'm a bit lost as a Nets fan. Yeah. I still have faith, no doubt about it. There are stars on this team like They've never been seen before. But I'm starting to think, for one team in the entire history, stars might just not be enough. So what do you think? Well, I just have two points that I'll I'll bring up. First, in regards to the Kevin Durant thing, it actually reminded me a lot of the Des Bryant uh, thing that happened pregame with the Ravens, where he was just called out of warm-ups, basically. Yeah, Yeah. Um, he'd been there already. He'd been there with his entire team. No, just take Des And practicing, like, had basically started warming up on the the field. KD did the same thing. Yeah, so very similar to that. I agree, that's that's very annoying. It makes no sense. Um, The only other question I have, though, is I've seen on Twitter, like, people starting now to come for Steve Nash. What do you think about that? Uh, So this entire season, I've been just a little, you know, 
not <laughs> so happy with uh, Steve Jones. I was skeptical. That was honestly one of the main pieces of this Nets yeah. team that I yeah. think I was most skeptical well, about. So I thought, you know, I'm thinking of it from the Stars' perspective. Like, they don't need a coach. Like, they're just going to go out and play pickup. And, I mean, when Harden came in, he played like three games before he even had his first Nets practice. I think we went 2-1 and one or maybe even 3-0. and up. So that proved the point that these Stars, when they play together, can just play like it's pickup and win. Mm-hmm. But the other players on the team need a culture. They need a game plan. They need to know how they're supposed to contribute because the stars know what they need to do. Joe Harris knows what he needs to do. And honestly, DeAndre Jordan, who's not playing well, but he knows his He's role. He's been around the league. He, he knows yeah. what he needs to do. The other guys who, sure, they've been around the league a little bit too. This is a new situation for everyone. It's a yeah. team that's really never been seen before in how good of an offense they have and how bad of a defense they have. And it's proving that those things can cancel out a lot. And usually it's a 50-50 point <laughs> I know. Um, so, no, so I, real quick, I, yeah. I just want to say that um, while I think that a player's coach works for a guy like LeBron, I happen to think that LeBron's basketball IQ is above and beyond anyone in the league. Okay. Where I think that he can coach. He can coach while playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't necessarily think that the talent translates to just high basketball IQ right. where you can kind of just guide a team as a star player. I've I seen don't these really, guys coach, though. But I don't think they that do they're well. on the caliber of a LeBron. That's fair. And LeBron having been in this situation multiple no, times in yeah. playoff final situations without a player's coach, yeah. where he's had a legitimate coach. You go back to guys like the super well, teams of, of uh, the Bulls um, or or you have the, the Warriors with Steve yeah. Kerr. The coaches on those teams were not just player coaches. They well, were Kerr, fantastic coaches. And, and yeah. I think that this this Brooklyn team is on the same level as those dream teams. I agree, yeah. But lacking that coaching. The, but, so, the other teams that have player coaches to me have been mainly just LeBron-led. No, you're true. Uh, you can say, though, that KD had you know Scott Brooks, who in his prime with the Thunder was a great coach. Now with the Wizards, he's scrambling to figure out what that Wizards roster is. But I don't think that's really his fault. So you had KD in the finals, you've had Harden on that same team, and then on the Rockets as well with Mike D'Antoni, who's there now. And then you had Kyrie, who was coached by LeBron, you could say. Um, but regardless, I get what you're saying. I just think with Steve Kerr specifically, he was brought in as a rookie head coach to coach a similar team. Sure, the stars on that team weren't stars you know, in the way that KD is established and Kyrie's established, all of those guys are established now. Steph wasn't established yet. He sure had the talent. And Steve Kerr knew how to bring it out of him. I just think that's what the Nets were going for. It was a Hall of Fame point guard. I don't know if Kerr's a Hall of Famer, but you know what I mean. Like, a, a, a point guard that had played on great teams before. Maybe coaching. Was, exactly, he could be now. But I don't know if the Warriors knew that. And I think the, the Nets had Steve Nash, who, I don't know if you remember, but his only coaching role before this was as a player advisor to the Warriors. He was, a like, helping out in training specifically. He learned from Steve Kerr. And you'd think, hey, that's going to translate. But a tweet I saw, maybe today or yesterday, is that he's turning into Jason Garrett of the NBA where he just claps his hands and doesn't get mad at his players. And that's what I think is the biggest issue. Not that he's being compared to Jason Garrett. I love Jason Garrett. But that he's being compared to just a coach who can't get mad at his guys. I don't care if you have Harden or Kyrie or KD. You can get mad at them and say you're not doing your job. And that's what Harden had to do himself last night to DeAndre Jordan, who I think he's just done with. And KD, Kyrie, sure, DeAndre is brought in to be a friend of those two players, help them settle in. He's now just become a waste of $10 million in cap. 
I don't care if he helped them settle in. They're settled in now. This is their team. And they well, I mean, they, they kind winners. of framed DeAndre Jordan as somewhat of a big three early I just on. saw Butter tweet me that. It's just not... That was the, the media. No one that, in and the that's Nets that's, thought But that's that. that's like, totally fine. But I'm just saying, like, that, that yeah. happens to the Knicks fans, too, in the media. Yeah, and it's just... But yeah. I'm just saying, like, that's what the media portrayed it as, was DeAndre Jordan as part of that big three. I, I'm, I'm not saying that big, it's necessarily... The big three the is case. now James Harden in those two well, players. Though. And exactly. <laughs> the thing I will say, though, with Nash and regards to player coaches, whatever, I don't think that anyone's really seen a team like this and had to coach this no, style right. team ever, really. Yeah. There's never been a, tween, a team with three all-stars, three all-iso ball players, three star well, shooters. They are iso ball players. And this is something Ryan Mealy was saying. Who has coached three of them? No, no, before, no. You know? I don't know who. But they're not playing that style now. That's the one thing. Their offense has clicked perfectly. Mm-hmm. People said, hey, there's only one ball. What's not going to work for this team is the offense. Whoever said that it's should not talk wrong. about basketball yeah. anymore. Because the, the, the offense is something you've never seen before. Not that everybody's isoing and not trying to pass. It's how they pass. Harden's leading the league in assists by like two per yeah. game. It's crazy. He's pulling off behind the backs, this and that. Kyrie can do the same stuff and has been doing that. And he's like, he has a career high in scoring on a team where two other players are still scoring like 28 and 30 or 22 and 20, whatever it is. They are all doing so well on offense. That's just never my concern. Now it's, look, you brought in Mike D'Antoni, great offensive coach. Steve Nash, what was he known for? Great offensive player. These guys can help on that side, but where's Jacques Vaughn, our former, you know, interim head coach who was suppo- supposed to be, excuse me, this defensive-minded guy? Where's that second half of the balance? It just hasn't been there, and that comes down to what we were saying earlier. We need more coaching to just step up, more practices to figure out how to defend these teams, especially these, you know, super tall teams like the Pistons when we're trying to run Jeff Green, who I love, as a center it just doesn't work he's not pj tucker a player who i think we could use right now if we're really committing to the small ball but i don't know as a whole it's tough to blame it solely on steve nash i think it comes down to effort against these below 500 teams that the nets just think they're better than if you're on the bench of the nets don't think that any game is an easy win we we have 12 losses now more than half of those are to teams like the cavaliers who oh yeah colin sexton he's crazy at 40 points it's just because we didn't pay him the mind you know and he could shoot the ball any player in the nba can take over a game at any one time they did it in college they did it in high school they're here for a reason i don't care if they're coming off the bench or play for one of the worst teams in the league like the pistons because jeremy grant and mason Plumley just dominated us last night so I think it's an attitude problem. Is that a Steve Nash problem? Is that a player's problem? It's up to the Nets to figure out. But like I said, I'm frustrated. I mean, I'm not worried right now about where we're going to be come April. But I, I, it's just it's tough to watch now when I'm an invested fan who wants to see my team win. I'm not getting that. Watching the Knicks last night, who I wasn't as invested in, but was rooting with you. You know, it was a good game. That was more fun for me to watch. A team who cared. You know, it's the Nets just didn't look like they cared so that was my takeaway uh maybe my longest rant <laughs> in uh in a while and you know well deserved i think honestly but, the way that this season is playing out with like you guys starting here but starting to trend down us starting here starting to trend up we're gonna meet in the middle i think at the playoffs and that's just <laughs> where like our show our podcast our arguments are all going to come together it just seems like the narrative that's where it's gonna happen it's just gonna be like First round, the two or even one seed Nets versus the seven or eight seed Knicks. 
I feel like it's coming. It'll be a fun at this series. Point. It's going to be a great time. Yeah. It's going to be a, an absolute blast. Um, so, yeah, honestly, yeah. that's our show for the, for the day. <laughs> a little Super Bowl, post-Super Bowl special. Yep. Um, it's my birthday week. Yeah. So, birthday week yeah. on the pod. We are officially, come Friday, going to be a 21-plus podcast. Yes, yes, yes. Big, yes, yes, yes. big for the brand. Um, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening, like always. Yep. I would love, absolutely love, if, if you like this episode, share it to your friends, your enemies, whoever else. <laughs> uh, Five-star review it on Apple Podcasts yes, or wherever you are listening to this now. Leave a review. We really appreciate those. We had a little mess up uh, a while back where we had to re-download a bunch of our episodes oh, yeah. off of soundcloud and everything and everything got all mess, messed up for us so we lost, um, some, reviews. So we lost yeah. some reviews we lost some followers some likes if you guys can just go out there if you are listening <laughs> still at this point yes i am talking to you yeah you are a always loyal fan and we would love for you to support us once again um thank you guys so much absolute blessing to do this with you all today and uh we'll talk with you again soon love you guys love, love you guys, guys. see you